Yo ho ho, it's time to go Back to the dungeon far below Players arriving, time to die some dice Oh Grab some fun Yeah It's time for It's time for You know it's time for those crazy teachers in the dungeon Hello everybody and welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon I'm Tom Gross with Dan Raymond We are the Teachers we're so glad you are joining us today for another adventurous discussion. Dan, how are you today? We are, well, I'm doing well. I guess I shouldn't answer for you, but uh, we are We are in day, what, seven or eight of yeah. high temperatures but low humidity, which is really, really yeah. strange for central Illinois. It's been, this, this is the June that I remember as a kid. Yeah. Warm temperatures, low humidity. I mean, we did have a heat index this week of over 100. But uh, that, that humidity rolled out pretty fast, and we're back to nice, nice warm summer weather. Yeah, cool so, enough evenings that we could sit outside and play Dungeons & Dragons, that's right. as we did Under last night. beautiful pergola. and uh, Nobody died. And nobody died, but, and we were joined by a tree frog. We were. We yeah. were. I was thinking about the, oh, shoot. I should have looked this up ahead of time. The actual characters, the the D and D creatures. Oh, of the the tree frog creatures. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of what, what they are either. I'll remember them halfway through the episode but, uh, and then yeah. just blurt it out. But <laughs> that's what I was thinking of as a little poison. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's it's good weather. We just had we played a game last night. Had a good time. And so we hope you all are also enjoying summer weather. You know, our question last week was, you know, where's one of your favorite places or one of the unique places that you get to play. I do hope the weather in where you live is such that you are able to play outside. But even if not, just playing D&D is pure joy anyway. <laughs> Speaking of questions, I put a couple questions out on Twitter this week that I wanted to uh, mention. So the first one was, who in the RPG community inspires you? Oh, that's asked, a good one. I asked, uh, and this is too. complete news to me, folks. Unfortunately, yeah. I am not much of a Twitter person, so when you're interacting on Twitter, it's with Tom. Right. And, yeah, Tom. I'm just, I'm just, I like the Twitter uh, world. I like the way information gets shared there. I like Instagram for the visual, but I'm not real savvy with the tools of Instagram. But I put out there, who in the RPG community inspires you? Please share. And the people that I put down, I'm going to give handles here. At Luck Legends, he has been on our show, and you've done some work with him. Mm -hmm. I don't know why his name is completely escaping Michael Lowe. Moment. Michael Lowe. And so Luck Legends, DM Educational, Kwood Publishing was just on recently on our show. Raven Press Maps also. In fact, he was our very first guest. He was, yeah. On uh, Teachers in the Dungeon. At Captain, or Rick's Captain, that is Rick's Maddie, Chris Metz, <laughs> who plays Rick in our... Um, Telesaria yes. world. And, and Jacques and Slint. And Jacques and Slint, that's right. Uh, we'll, we ought to get him on again here pretty soon. Yeah. At Dungeon Dudes, we uh, just talked about their new book. Um, yes, Drakenheim. Drakenheim, last a uh, couple weeks ago. At Mr. Zare, that is uh, Dan Zare of Coffee with Kenobi. 
he did a lot of uh, conversation with me in talking about getting this to go. And he also kind of cut my teeth on how podcasting works yeah. and all that. At Corey Club, he is the creator of the Dungeon Dude, or the <laughs> Teachers in the Dungeon logo. Yes. As well as co-creator of Coffee with Kenobi. Kenobi and Gives uh, us a veneer of respectability. He does, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, at Smuggler's Coffee... Uh, we met them at uh, GaryCon, yeah. and he's been on the show before, and he's super active on the social media world. They've got great coffee. Laura has tried it. I've drank it. It's it's great. I wish I wish we had more festivals in this area that were a little bigger that they would swing down this way because they're not that far away from us. But no, but I I trust me. I did the uh, the Google Maps. They're most of their festivals in the areas there are about two hours away from us. Okay. So it wouldn't be awful. It'd be an early morning if we wanted to drink some coffee with them, though. And then at Drago Russo, Chance Russo, who DM'd for us at Gary Khan, and we had yeah. him on the show to talk, and has some great projects going on uh, there, and we'll probably be catching up with him in the next year. Yeah, talk about hope so. Yeah. Oh, I know where we're going to catch up with him, at Gen Con. Is he going to be there? Uh, yes, he will be there. Oh, oh I, haven't, I haven't told you about this. Mm. On Twitter, when, <laughs> when he reached out on, on this actual this post, he mentioned that he'll be at, uh, at Gen Con. Oh, that'd be fun and to I see. And I said, we need yeah. to catch up with you. And he said he's running games, but there's time in between. So we will uh, catch up there. But I just wanted to toss out there some of the people that replied. Katewood Publishing sent out a list of people that are inspiring to them. Smuggler's Coffee, of, of course. Chance was on there and, and just uh, saying, hey, he says, hey, what you guys are doing is truly inspiring. And I, oh. I love that. I, I appreciate that, that so much. Yeah. Because um, Chance, the stuff that you do is inspiring. So Michael Lowe's got a nice list here. When I look at go up and down this list, these are people that I see on, on Twitter sharing great stuff in the uh, TTRPG world. World of Corday D&D, they've got a really cool project. I want to talk about them a little bit more on another show. But they uh, put out here, um, they were on Michael Lowe's list. And they just said, as always, you hit the nail on the head. All wonderful people. They added at, I can't, I don't know how to say it. It's A-E-G-I-D-E-S to it. And then they say, yes, that's my husband. But he's also an inspiring teacher (laughs) and DM for both children and adults. So I think that's super cool. And so that was the first question I asked this week on Twitter. And the other question I put out there on Teachers in the Dungeon, which is at Dungeon Teachers on Twitter, is I said, we are huge fans of At Wizards D&D. What other RPGs do you enjoy? And we got quite, we got several uh, responses on this one. And some responses that, I, I don't know these games, and so I want to check some of these out. Smuggler's Coffee replied, besides D&D, we've been huge fans of the Goodman Games Dungeon Crawl Classics. We know oh. them. We've been in contact with Jennifer, trying to get her on the show here pretty soon. They have, Goodman Games has their free RPG day coming up in July. I, I want to say it's the 16th, but don't hold me to that. It's sometime mid-July. I would like to try. They I, I, they were kind enough, kind enough to give us starting materials when we saw them at GaryCon, right. and, and reading through those, I thought, yeah, this would be a... It, it, I, I need to go back, but it feels like it's just more of a down and dirty, as the name suggests, dungeon crawl. You just get yes. in, and you are just working your way through obstacles. Old school D&D yeah. is, is how I see it. I, I may be way off on that. But then Smuggler's Coffee also says, definitely thinking about at Blackbird's RPG also. Kwood Publishing, Traveler, of course. Oh, 
And my brother, <laughs> back in the satanic panic when <laughs> I didn't get to play D&D anymore, I played one time and got banned and was crushed. And my, my good-hearted older brother found Traveler. So okay. that's space-based. It's not fantasy-based. Nothing that could even be remotely interpreted as demonic. So I never got to actually play it with anybody, mm-hmm. but it was a fun world building. What I remember is really loving building the solar systems. Oh, cool. Yeah. It was fun to do. Awesome. So thank you on that one. This next one is at PG underscore YYZ Pascal. And so I'm sorry if I'm, I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, he says, I love Fate for its flexibility and narrative focus. Monsters of the Week for the theme oh. slash tropes and the PBTA, I'm not sure I know what that is, mechanics make it easy for new players to jump in and scum and villainy for playing space rogues, <laughs> although the rules aren't presented as clearly for new GMs. Continues on another additional post, Siren, both for its dice placement mechanics and the amnesiac runaway metahuman tropes. I'm not sure I said amnesic right. A-M-N-E-S-I-C. Amnesic? Runaway metahuman tropes. I know what tropes. you meant. <laughs> uh, Starhold for leaning into the space horror genre tropes. And for the Queen and RPGs inspired by it, such as O-Maker and End of the Line for their story prompt card approach. What a great list. I, I don't know many of those. So what I like about that list is it gives me a lot of stuff to look into. I need to expand. Honestly, we've talked about this before, but our our time to play is so limited as it is yes. that I, I hate the thought of investing that precious time in any other games, but I feel like I should. Yeah. I should expand and look at some of those. Agreed. And I think Gen Con is a great place to kind of take a look around. As Gary Khan was, but yeah. Gen Con as well. Our next post is from at Raznag, R-A-Z-N-A-G underscore RPG. They suggest Hollow Earth Expedition. And then the final post was from at Cranky Old Wizard. I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> they suggest Ars Magica. A-R-S-M-A-G-I-C-A for its magic system. Hmm. That one sounds intriguing. I like the sound of, uh, of that one. Yeah. So thank you, everybody, for your suggestions of, in, of other RPGs. Of course, we love Dungeons & Dragons. I know it so well, but it's always helpful to sort of reach out and see what else is out there, look at other game systems, game mechanics, mm-hmm. to just broaden our scope of the game. Definitely, definitely. So let's introduce our topic and then uh, maybe give our, our number five and then we'll take a break and then finish it off. We're going to do a top okay. five here. Sure. So normally I would come up with a question for us to discuss before we get into our main topic, but the, the question I picked I decided was big enough that it could just be our topic. Yeah. And nothing particularly creative about this. In fact, I am completely jumping on a bandwagon in a number of different ways here. I wanted us to discuss our top five most fun to role play monsters, creatures. creatures. When I started this question, I was thinking just in terms of enemy. But as I thought, I realized, no, I should really broaden that because you can have an enemy, you can have an adversary. And and as I thought about it, I thought adversary might be a better term. Mm -hmm. So what are your favorite monsters to play when you are trying to mess things up for your players? 
either either as the bad guy or just as something irritating that they have to get around. Okay. I prepared my list a little differently, but I think we can work with that. Because I also added potential creature allies. Well, that's <laughs> that just okay? that's that just that's just shading a little yeah. further okay. on. Okay. So I, I've got that on here. I've got the, I've got the adversaries, but I also have maybe a couple of allies in here. So okay. As I develop this my list, I really wanted to focus on or found myself focusing on things that are you know have rich potential for the role play itself. Mm-hmm. So that's what I what I focused on. So so when I created my list, what I was thinking about is where some of it is things that just resonated with me, and I created the the discourse or that that role play. But some of mine, in fact, hmm, several of uh, I don't know two or three of mine are I've seen these done other places. Oh, I I've some got from it. film, some yes. from other games, some. And so I have inspiration to discuss with some of these because I'm going to be quite honest, I stole one of them just blatantly. Sure. <laughs> but, but I love doing it. So, so that's how I created my list. All right. So what's your number five? So my Do number you, five. Are in a particular order or you just sort of? I, I did list? order them. Okay. I'm not sure. I, I don't know how you would say that. Probably just increasing level of complexity and possibility maybe. Okay. That's probably not entirely true, but I guess... When we're done, you can decide how I right. what my criteria were. So, number five, probably not a surprise if you've been following us. For me, is the satyr. Nice. So this is a CR one half level creature. So if a satyr is going to be a bad guy, it's going to be real early, or you really got to buff them quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Intelligence plus one, charisma plus two. I see them when you when you read the flavor text. They come across as Neutral, playful, capricious. You know, I'm thinking of motivation. You know, if I'm if I'm going to play this NPC against the characters, what's motivating the character? It might be something specific within the the game, but a general background motivation for a satyr is just entertainment and chaos for its own sake. Mm. And so, I think that just gives you absolutely a, a wide open field for however you want to play this creature he can be a good guy and a bad guy in the very same sentence if you want him to be he can be helpful the other thing about Faye is although they seem very fun and lighthearted, they aren't exactly humanoid and they can be absolutely pitiless Mm -hmm. because they don't see the world the same way that humans or human-like species would and that so like I said that gives you such a wide range you can lure in your characters with these happy, playful folk who wouldn't bat an eye at watching you fall off a cliff mm-hmm. if they weren't, if they just didn't feel like saving you. But at the same time, you can go the other direction, and, and if they're engaged with the humans, can be quite heroic or, or helpful. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I know from being in your games, you play satyrs really well, and you seem to really enjoy (laughs) (laughs) that. But quite honestly, as a player, you make it enjoyable, even though they're sort of sassy and, (laughs) and, you know, cantankerous and whatnot. They're they're wildly entertaining as the player at the table, and it's interesting to watch how we, our players react to that and respond to that. Most of our interaction with satyrs, I think, has been in slight. Yes. And it's funny watching how Bert responds to them versus Jacques versus Wade. 
right? Uh, and so that's I, no, you're right. I'm not surprised that satyrs are on your list. <laughs> what about you? Very good. My number five, and I don't know that I have a specific order to this, but as I'm kind of looking at it, this this list this kind of makes sense. I just don't know how. I'm going to go with the lich. You've heard me talk about the lich right. before, and one of the things that I really like about Oh, and sorry to interrupt. No, you will fine. probably hear trombone in the background. <laughs> sorry, this is one one of the things you get with teachers in the dungeon. We've got children right. at home doing things, so that's right. There's a trombone lesson that'll be going on during this. Sorry, in in a, in Studio C, the, the yes. trombone lessons happen in Studio C. <laughs> so sorry, continue. That's all right. Yeah. So I just I love I love the lich. One thing this lich might not have been on this list two three years ago. What brought it on was the character that we one day will discuss, and right. that, is, that is the character, uh, or the NPC, Ashen Malore. She's a lich that you guys actually cre- kind of played a part of creating, mm-hmm. unknowingly, but you, but you were, <laughs> you were involved in it. And what, what I'm loving about that is, as she grows into you know being newly created and transitioning into a lich, I feel like my role play of her also changes. Right. And right. one of the things that, that mystify me about a lich is sort of their eternal life. Yeah. And so nothing really bothers them too much. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in no rush for any sort of a resolution because, quite frankly, they'll probably outlive you either way. Right. But it's it, but it, their dealing with you is to try to continue to gain more power more wealth, just things that they want. And so that's kind of, I try to put myself in that mindset when I play her, but I've kind of discovered that in her last interaction with you, it was very, it, it had some desperation to it. And she did some actions that m- maybe a, a more experienced lich that sees a larger picture, she still knew. And so I was, I'm like, I'm kind of growing along with this hmm. character. And that, okay. that's kind of cool to think about. And yeah. so each time you see her, oh, and that's another thing about a lich that I think is cool, is even though she hasn't been in our last several sessions, she is almost always thought of and discussed in some fashion. Yes. In every Definitely. single time. So she's still a role, she's still there when she's not even there. And that's kind of cool that she she's on the back of your mind at all times. Particularly my character. My character has a personal vendetta against her. So yes, that's true. He is constantly thinking about that. And so, and I and I've pr- briefly played a Sarek, uh in a couple of different ways. And what's neat about it is, and there's another type of uh, creature I'll talk about today that is sort of in the same kind of realm of of thought. And that is that these some of these creatures that are long lasting and super powerful, they're fun to role play because. The characters have no intent in trying to kill or fight because it's way overpowered. Mm-hmm. And so these characters show up, these NPCs show up, and there's fear or there's curiosity, but there's no like, oh, let's kill this guy. He's a lich. Well, he's much more <laughs> powerful than we are. So there's so as the DM, you know, you're gonna have good role play with that because they will, they're not gonna try to pot shot or cheat you. Well, and I think. As a DM, that would be fun. I am constantly concerned that I have, you know, if, if characters get close to death, that, that it's because I've done something unfair or overbalanced. Oh. With a lich, with that attitude of, 
might kill you, might not. You always have the option to back off as a DM if you feel like you've pushed too hard, I feel like. And and it would it would fit within the characteristics of that creature. Right. Whereas in some other creatures that are just angry and want to kill, it wouldn't make sense for them to, to leave off. Right. So that's my that that's a good way to get the ball rolling on this list. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and uh, we'll come back with our other four top monsters creatures to role play. Yes. We will be right back on Teachers in the Dungeon. And we are back. It's Teachers in the Dungeon. I'm Tom with Dan. We're talking about our top five favorite characters. I'm sorry, monsters to role play at the table. Yes. And As, listening to Trombone Lesson. Which I was going to say uh, before we went to the break, this is the trombone that is a part of one of our intro songs. Yes. Which which one is that that it's part of? I don't have it on this episode, but I might okay. swap them out for the uh, oh. for the actual before I publish this, just because it seems like it would it's be fitting. The, it's sort of the jazz. The jazzy one. He yeah. likes jazz. So. Yeah. Cool. So all right. So we have under our belts already the satyr. That was your choice. Mm-hmm. My choice was the lich. Yep. So you're number four. My number four. I, I thought you would pick Lich, and it struck me as I picked this one because I, I used this one in a similar way. So my number four is an adult blue dragon. CR level 16, plus three intelligence, plus four charisma. This is a lawful evil creature. It is vain, it is touchy, defensive, but weirdly enough within the lore, excellent parent. Blue dragons take very good care of their children, which I thought was sort of interesting. The lore, the motivation of a blue dragon is to gain minions, to be adored, to be amazing, and to guard territory. And so that gives you a wide range of options. If, If you are treating this as your big bad guy, then it's a chess player, but one that can be can be tripped up by his or her own vanity. But I played it more as an obstacle for characters to navigate around. You can play it a little more toward a lawful neutral even, and but just very prickly. And I I do think there's just lots of very fun potential interactions with this sort of thing. I used it sort of as a way to remind characters they can't fight their way out of everything. I like that. And they, that they need to develop some negotiation skills. A, a blue dragon that you trespass onto their, their land probably isn't going to immediately attack, but he's going to be very affronted. But like I said, this is what's fun, is you have a wide range of how you can role-play this as a DM, which would make it, I just think, very interesting to play. Nice. I'm not going to say too much about that one because it might be on my list somewhere along the way here. So, so I li- I like that choice and, and I wondered if that would be on your on your list. The last thing I have written about it is yeah. a crabby obstacle or a frightening ally. Yes. Is how you could cool. you could view a blue dragon. Okay. Very good. All right, my number 4 is the Duergar. I just being a being someone who really enjoys playing a dwarf uh, why wouldn't the Duergar be right. in my list of creatures? You know, this is sort of a twisted creature. They, the Duergar, their heritage goes back to they were dwarves at one time, but they they have such a love of wealth and creation in the Underdark 
that they stayed there and then they became enslaved by mind flayers. And then okay. through that twisting of their minds, it gave them that demeanor and personality of distrust, frustration. I'm trying to think of another word. There, there are about four descriptors in the Monster Manual of like their personality. But they, they free themselves. And then ironically, they wanted to get away from the slavery of the mind flayers. But ironically, they, all, they capture and enslave people themselves to do their you know dirty work in the underdark you become what you hate yeah and we <laughs> right and and we you encountered the durgar in the dungeons of durgar durgin durgin yeah durgin and one thing you guys learned that i that i found was kind of fun to play is they are willing to negotiate as long as they think they are going to get something out of it and then they will do everything they can to betray is a little bit of a strong word to get out of that contract that okay. they make with you. And hmm. So they might lie, they might stretch truths, they might do things behind your back to get out of that contract. And it comes back to their distrustful, their distrusting nature of people. But what I, but what I think is cool about Duergar is they've got that heritage of dwarf in them. And so they do like treasure, and they do like lore and weapons and, and treasure. And I never said treasure, but all that kind of stuff that a dwarf likes, mm-hmm. that a dwarf might use for good, or they collect it, but it's just in a different sort of way. And so I think they're they're fun to role play because of you always have in the back of your mind how how am I going to sort of trick the NPCs, right? And we kind of did that a little bit because they were supposed to repair Zedai's sword. Zedai wanted it a little sooner than... Yes, this is an adventure we haven't gotten to yet. Yeah, but Zedai wanted it a little sooner than it was able. But I can tell you right now, the Duergar had no intent of ever giving that sword back. Right. And and so we kind of got to play that out, but at the same time we didn't. But there were some other things, and I don't... I'm not... they're, They're escaping my mind right now while we're talking, but some things that, that you'd contracted with them that they sort of let you hang in the, with the ghost and mm-hmm. with the cursed sword and all that kind of stuff. So Dwarf yeah. are, are fun to play, especially if you like dungeon delving or playing in the Underdark. Right, right. Yeah, that does fit. All right, on number three. Yes. So my number five is sort of a chaotic, go a lot of different directions. My four was very methodical in a way. Back to just my number three is one that you if if you have a desire to just play a flat out crazy, frightening, crazy character, this is the one. Mm. So this is I chose a banshee. Oh. So this is a CR four monster. So your your players would meet this fairly early on if you were going to do this. Intelligence of a plus one, charisma plus three. And lore behind these are these are undead elves. This is an elf, uh, a elf that has lived a very shallow life, and through some mishap when they died, comes back is an undead creature that is motivated by beauty, but in a very like dichotomous way. They are attracted to it and they hate it at the same time. Mm. And so the way I kind of think of a banshee is evil but capricious, can be sidetracked by pretty people. 
their motivation. They're going to be fascinated with interacting with and destroying beauty. So they'll be attracted to the whichever characters have the highest, probably the highest charisma, but if there are characters within your group that have, your players have made a point of saying they're very good looking or very attractive, that's the ones you go after. I never knew that about a banshee. That's cool. In the lore, it's a woman, but there's no reason why it would have to be. Any, right. either, you know, anybody can be tripped up by being too involved in themselves. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like you can play this as sort of loopy, off-kilter, damaged, unpredictable, come in close, start talking to the, the pretty member of the party and anything that you can interpret that they say as offensive, you can take offense and get ready to attack, mm-hmm. you know, or turn into weeping and why don't you like me? Don't you think I'm pretty? Don't you think, I mean, you can play this as yeah. psychotic as you want. Cool. And of course, the thing about them is they've got that whale. Yeah. So you've got that sort of, it's only one bullet in the in the chamber, but that can take out everybody. Yep. So she wouldn't she or he wouldn't use it right away, but also wouldn't be afraid to use it. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a really fun. We faced a banshee, right? You did very early on yeah. in Telesaria. Marcus took it, a hit on that one, it, if I remember. <laughs> poor, poor, yes, poor. Uh, I I do find it does seem like in that entire adventure arc with those characters whenever we had a saving throw all the ones that were meant to fail succeeded and very often the ones that should have been a slam dunk failed yeah yes and he's the one that got dropped by the banshee Mm -hmm. yeah that's cool i just learned a lot about the banshee right there thanks for (laughs) thanks for that i appreciate that my number three goes way back to this this monster mystified me uh, way back to my childhood when I read The Hobbit, and we meet the creature named Smog, Bilbo nice. Baggins. You know, you think as a child, I always thought dragons are just mean, and they just are, they're gonna, they're stomped, and they breathe fire, and they destroy, which Smog does. But Bilbo Baggins is able to have a conversation with Smog, mm-hmm. and he plays a game with Smog. And, and, and that just that really kind of turned my world upside down as far as my understanding of how a dragon interacts with people. Go, coming, fast-forwarding to through my years of, of playing Dungeons & Dragons, all the people I ever played with where we encountered dragons was the smog that flew over cities and burned and pillaged and smashed and all that. I kind of forgotten about dragons as a focus. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons, but but as an adult, I rarely ever. It's played. almost so obvious that you think, let's let's do something unique yeah. or new. Yeah. And so you overlook how cool they are. Right, and so it, it wasn't. And so all my adult years of playing three point five, moving the Pathfinder, coming back to five, dragons were never on my radar as a monster to put in until. Until I met the blue dragon you just discussed. Oh. <laughs> and everything you just said about that blue dragon. Skandar, res- I think his name was. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were crossing the desert, like a, a, the edge of a desert, and, and mm-hmm. Skandar. Skandar. Skandar shows up, and I'm like, Dan, we're like second level. What are you doing to us? <laughs> and, and I had that same thought of, well, there's no way we can fight here. 
And so we're going to have to negotiate or grovel or something. Because this was in the kids' campaign, right? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. And so if I remember right, we it asked for everything that we had, and, and he would let us pass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes just being youthful and naive is the best because the kids all gave all of their money. Uh-huh. But stupid old me, I didn't <laughs> give everything. And boy, did Skandar know. <laughs> and I think I had to give extra. I don't remember what it was. I, you caught me. I, I had to roll a sleight of hand or something. Yes. And, and I failed. And I don't remember what my what my discipline was, but I had to give up the rest of my money plus something. I don't remember what it was. He might have just yelled at you or yeah, something, too. Yeah, it might have just been a shaming or something, but... But I love that aspect about dragons. And then now we have Fizbin's mm-hmm. Book of Dragons and, and all of that and so much more. And, and so there, I put this on here more for my future role play as a DM because we encountered a dragon in one of our adventures. And let me tell you, I, sometimes I sit up at night thinking about how I screwed up that entire encounter. I mean, it wasn't awful, but I just... As a DM, there's so many more things I could have done with that dragon. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I misplayed the... I think we've talked about this on the show. I misplayed the lair option or the lair... Uh, <laughs> Action. uh, actions. And I, I didn't do... They, there was a little bit of parlay and discussion, but there wasn't much. To be fair, it was a black dragon, so there wouldn't, there wouldn't have been much. If, if you're playing him close to mm. canon... And you're in his lair, I guess, and... They're the they're the nastiest. Yeah. Of, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. I appreciate <laughs> that. But I but it just made made me think about how you can play a dragon very differently, and and thinking about how I'm playing the lich. That's kind. Of, I mean, these dragons can can become ancient if they're smart and wise, mm-hmm. and so they're they're never going to say or do something that would really jeopardize their lives because they know while they're not immortal. They have that kind of life span, right? And I mean, really, that black dragon probably should have tried to scare you away instead of directly confront you. I mean, he lost his life, yeah. and again, I misplayed his <laughs> his abilities. But nonetheless, I just think dragons are really cool, and I think there's a lot of and the thing that Fizbin's brought to me with dragons is their shape shifting ability, yeah, and that they they can be amongst us and we wouldn't even know it yeah which i think that's is fun to play fascinating so you may yeah. be encountering dragons uh, someday <laughs> and sometime or you might see me drag doing dragons with another group somewhere but yeah one visual that comes into mind when you think about dragons and how they would interact with us is you know if i'm out sitting on the patio and see a big old spider walking across I don't like it. I don't want it there. Mm-hmm. I might get up and smack it, mm-hmm. but you know I'm kind of comfortable where I am, and it's just going about its way. I might just let it go. Yeah. Plus, you know, if it is kind of awful looking, and I don't really want to tangle with it, so I kind of think that's how dragons oh. might be with adventuring parties. I like that. You know, you I see like them there. Meh, maybe. Yeah, I don't want them there. I don't like them. Maybe I'm mad and I'm going to go do something about it. But maybe just let them go. Makes me think of a of a cat. Yeah. Maybe cats are dragons in furry <laughs> form. Because <laughs> they, they kind of give that attitude about yeah, things too. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Sometimes, yeah. 
can never know. All right, you're number two. Okay, so I've given some ideas for sort of off-the-wall role play and some, you know, some very calculating role play. And the next one I thought of is if you want to really go for some pathos, if you really want to try to yank the heartstrings of your characters. There's lots of ways to do it, but I saw this time. This is I, this is my just absolute ripping off from something I saw. Uh, you could uh, do that with a ghost. Okay. So ghosts are also a CR4, intelligence plus zero, charisma plus three. The thing about ghosts is, as you would expect, they can be any character, personality, alignment. It just depends on what the character was in life. Right. But the thing about them is maybe they know they're dead, maybe they don't. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, then they are perceiving the world through a totally different lens from your characters, which makes them unpredictable and dangerous. Mm -hmm. They might see you as an enemy, even if you're not. They, you don't know what's going to set them off or whatever. Right. But the other thing, and this is what I saw done, I, to reference the, the Dungeon Dudes, in one of their more recent episodes is the characters had to go in and clean enemies out of this part of the city. And they come across a troop of ghost soldiers oh. who don't know they're dead. Oh, wow. And so they have to act, they have to role play. Their solution is to try to pretend they're the commander and command the soldiers to stand down. Okay. And so they have to do deception and, and all of this sort of thing, these sorts of roles, and they do it, but it becomes a very heartfelt interaction mm -hmm. because near the end, one of Monty has one of the characters say, I'm dead, aren't I? And you're just like, oh my gosh, that poor guy, he didn't know, you know. So if you feel like kind of doing that to your players. That is cool. Yeah, that is a really, a really, I mean, it's a simple thing, but it really does get you if you think about what would that be like. Yeah, that realization. Yeah. Role-playing that realization. Oh, yeah. Jeez. So that, that was a cool. very powerful moment. There's lots of those in the Drakenheim series, yeah. but that was definitely one that caught my attention. Cool. They might be coming up later, too. <laughs> All right, my number two. This is a creature that I love to introduce to players, to new players, almost immediately. And that is the very classic creature of goblins. <laughs> um, you know, right. you know my my stance and how I do that. I always start, not always, but I often will start uh, brand new players either to D and D or brand new players to a, a new campaign on a, on a road to someplace. That's where we just begin. Most of them being teenagers and high schoolers, I just don't ever feel it's appropriate to start in a tavern or a bar. So I always just, you guys have been traveling. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we talk a little bit about backstory, but sometimes it's the backstory will come out. So develop your character as we play. But one of the first things I do on the road is I have them surrounded by goblins. Right. <laughs> and, and the goblins are demanding something. So they're surrounded to give them that sense that they're going to have to talk or do something. But it's not so many that they feel like they, if it came to a fight that they would be in danger. What I'm going for in this situation, what goblins are nice for, is it gives the characters, the players, options. You know, the goblin in front of them is saying, we want this. Whether it's 
a potion, a weapon, money, something like that. The, the goblins parlay, but the characters get to decide what they want to do. And the goblins aren't so dangerous that if they want to fight, they can fight them. Right. But the funny thing is, and I, I don't know, maybe people would find this surprising, and maybe people wouldn't, but I have yet to have a group of teenagers that that's their first thing they want to do. They always stop and say, wait, what do you mean you want you want this? And they, they start talking to the goblins. And one time, I thought, I'm going to give them a clue to see if this, this helps the conversation go. And I said, I said, you notice that some of the goblins seem maybe even to a level of emaciation. They're super thin. They look very bony. Immediately, one of the players was like, are you guys hungry? Mm. And the goblin, the, the person leading, of course, asking for something, is not emaciated. But like, they were able to do a perception roll and notice that some of the goblins were like shaking their heads. And so they decided that they would offer food to the goblins. And I thought that was really cool. But I just think the way, the reason I say goblins, I mean, really, it could be kobolds, any sort of low level, mm-hmm. sort of medium to small creatures that are, are monsters. So it's a threat, but also they're not monsters of such a threat that, that they're, they, the kids or the, or the players don't feel safe around. Right. And I mean, to, to, to build on what you're saying, those monsters are small and weak. So it makes a whole lot of sense that they themselves would have had to learn how to negotiate their way out of problems. Right. So they would be very quick to, it, it makes total sense that they would engage that way. Right. And so I think goblins are fun because kids, you know, players know, everybody pretty much has an idea of what a goblin kind of looks like. I think they're in pop culture quite a bit. And so whatever you think of or know of goblins, everyone's got a picture of them. And I just think they're, they're a lot of fun to play. And, you know, you know, it's an easy voice to do as well. You know, it's an easy voice, and everyone buys into the idea yeah. of goblins. <laughs> and so, but again, it doesn't have to necessarily be goblins. That's just my choice. So anything like that, I think, would be easy to do that sort of strategy of play with. I think it's, it's I guess, the reason why they're not my number two is they're just a lot of fun. Yeah. You can have fun playing them. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you can probably guess my number one. This is where I think you're going. I'm going to say it, but oh, I hope I'm not wrong. I'm going to say that you like playing a Cambian. That would be correct. Yes, yes. indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't intend to put that on the list because it's too obvious. But as I thought about it, I realized as this crystallized as a a an episode about role playing. Mm-hmm. A bad a bad guy or an enemy or an adversary. Sure. Cambion fits perfectly. So they are a CR5 monster, so yeah. they're no joke. They they can do some damage yeah. to a low-level or mid-level party. Well aware. <laughs> they're intelligent, plus two, charisma, plus three. A Cambion is... This is where I, I wonder if 5th edition just sort of has mucked things up a little bit. They, I'm not sure there's a huge difference lore-wise between a Cambion and a Tiefling. Okay. It's the same general concept that it's the offspring of some sort of humanoid, and some sort of devil or demon. So they're going to be evil-leaning. And the flavor text, though, emphasizes the fact 
But this is a, a creature that, at the heart of it, doesn't really know where he or she fits in. Okay. That because of their... Maybe tieflings are a little... Like, the, they're a little further removed generationally from the demonic or devilish side. Mm -hmm. These are first-generation offspring of something devilish or demonish, but probably raised by the humanoid. Okay. So they are not going to fit in with their surroundings. They want to find out who that other parent was. And so you kind of see that they're probably ambitious, insecure, motivated to try to prove themselves, do something devilish or demonic just to get the attention mm -hmm. of whoever it was that was the parent. Okay. You know, the, the, the sense is they don't actually have contact with the other planes of existence, so they're just hoping for the best here. Mm -hmm. Now, eventually, I mean, you can play a Cambion that has made contact and is a trusted servant of the parent, mm -hmm. but that's kind of how I saw Artaxas, is when you first met him, just outright evil. Just, right. just doing everything to manipulate and cause pain and suffering to you. Yep. But then the next time you meet him and you're a little closer to being a peer rather than someone he can push around. Because we've gone up in level. And yeah. Then there's more nuance. Mm -hmm. And I just think as uh, if you're looking for a role-playing opportunity as a recurring adversary, a Cambion is excellent because you've got so many facets to play with. Mm -hmm. Just mean and lording it over the characters or insecure and trying to cover up and hope people don't realize I'm not what they think I I'm not as tough as I th they think I am or even just go toward again pathos I just I just want to meet my dad there's a, a huge range that you can play with that character that I think really would add some depth to a, a game you play that very well our taxes is, is spot <laughs> on to the, to the lore you were just talking about and so I've got a couple questions. One is just sort of a humorous toss away, and I'll just do it right now. Is that why our taxes is always looking to upgrade his death ray? His fire ray? <laughs> or what, what is it? It's, 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 it's fire. They have a fire ray. Fire ray, yeah. yes. Um, so, but my, my more serious question is, how did, as a DM, how did you come across the Cambion? I know he's in the D Dungeon Master's Guide. Did you know about Cambians before? Did you just discover them in there? Or is he is he is a Cambian discussed in any other book? I discovered it in in the monster manual. Just okay. came across it and thought, ooh, this looks cool. Okay. Lots of options. They can fly, they've got ranged, they can get up close and beat people up. They're tough. Mm -hmm. And I knew that would be a good single bad guy for you guys all to fight. Okay. As I got interested in him in general and just kind of looked him up. I think Cambion is an actual cultural concept in Western European culture. Okay. So that it wasn't just invented. It's like the dryads or the satyrs or so many others, or dragons. Mm -hmm. It's been pulled in from culture and, and given stats, yeah. essentially. Okay. That's cool, because I'd never heard of a Cambion before. I hadn't either. I mean, it's right there. In the, I mean, they have a picture with, yeah. with it in the Monster Manual and everything, but that is a that is a monster that I'd never come across before, and it's just sort of a, you, you just flip pages past it when you're kind of browsing the uh, Monster Manual. So I wasn't sure if you'd heard of it or if there's a story or it showed up in which, whichever source book has the demons and devils mm -mm, in just it. Just plain uh, old Monster Manual. Got it out of the monster manual. Yep. Okay. All right. So what about yours? It's worth stopping on some yes. of the pages that that maybe you just kind of flip through. As I as I was going through to make this list, I went right back through the monster manual and I was thinking, oh wait, 
I forgot about that. That's pretty cool. I did the but. same. And mine are, except for the Duergar maybe, mine are pretty traditional. Uh, so I, I've always liked how you do a nice job of pulling out some creatures that maybe are not at the top of the mind when it comes to what we would expect to find out there. You do a really nice job with that. So my final one is a pure ripoff. You introduced me to them, and you even have a T-shirt about them. And I just introduced huh? them to the to the water deep. So, with all credit to you and the dungeon dudes, giant rats number <laughs> one. I when 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 I came across that you introduced the dungeon dudes, and then you talked about the Rat King. Yes, 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 yes. Rat Prince. Rat Prince. Yes. And you said you said you got to listen to this, and it's so great. And I was like super intrigued and then when i listened so i started at the beginning as we as we mentioned a couple weeks ago so at the beginning as i got through it i was so excited when i finally got <laughs> to the episode where the rat prince is introduced and the the way monty plays the rat prince is just so enjoyable but it taught me that a creature like this that you know usually you think rats and it's like gross and, and mm-hmm. they're gonna be evil and they're gonna do this and they're gonna do that they are still gross and disgusting, and they won't always want to eat things. Mm-hmm. But they're the rat prince is, is more than willing to discuss and kind of he has selfish intentions, but he also wants to help because he. I think I the way I see it is, you know, if he helps them, then that would help him mm-hmm. in some way. And I really like that portrayal, and so I shamelessly put him into our water deep campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Whiskers. I mean, how? I mean, I couldn't even get creative with it. <laughs> but everyone bought in, and so Whiskers is your sort of quote rat prince. And <laughs> he's and much just, more benign than the rat prince in the Dungeon Dudes, so yeah, that's okay. You so I to put play your own him, twist I wanted on him. To play him as sort of like he he sort of knows his place. He knows he's not super powerful, but he sees that there's value in you guys. Gave him value mm-hmm. that oh, we are important. And so he's very gracious with you guys. You guys have done some amazingly fun things with him. So, I mean, it's part of that why it's number one, because you guys ran with it. Yeah. Caleb, his character, Muckluck, at one point, everyone was so happy. It was at the end of the Troll Tide or... We haven't done Troll Tide yet, but it was oh, the yeah. end of the... Was it the... the end of our, our block party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When that all sort of settled down... It was when they escorted you to Ashen Marauders. Oh, yeah. And then they helped get you back. Part of that, convincing them to take you there, was Muckluck said, we'll get you some something to eat. We'll get you something good to eat. Right. And while all of you were like, they are not coming in the manor. They are not coming <laughs> in the manor. <laughs> Muckluck arranged to get them. And then the, the way that night ended, you guys had, had acquired a carriage. Mm-hmm. And Muckluck came out, and all the rats got in the carriage, and Muckluck ro- gave the rats a ride around. A carriage the, ride. A carriage yeah. ride around them. <laughs> and they fell asleep and all those things. I'm kind of stealing from our show, the, the, the future show. The portrayal of the way you can use a creature like that yeah. and, and giving them human characteristics. And I, couldn't, I, I could not have imagined that without the, the Dungeon Dudes and, and Monty's portrayal of them. Right. And I just, so when I go through the monster manual and I'm looking for who can, like, how can, what monster or creature can assist players or be an adversary of them, I look at them and then I think, 
which direction could this go? What yeah. type of characteristics can I give this monster or creature? And some of them, like you start, they started out as adversaries of you. Mm-hmm. If you recall, they were they were hired to harass you and do bad things. Mm-hmm. And you guys could have gone in and just slaughtered them. But you chose to go a different route mm-hmm. and to try to make them allies, which they've become pretty good allies for you because they're sort of messengers under the city for you. Yeah. I just think that that's, that that's just a lot of fun. And yeah. so you could do it with any type of creature that's similar to that. But I think the giant rats play it off really well, especially when you're in that like city setting. Yeah. So yeah. that's my number one. Well, good discussion. Wow, this took longer than I thought it would, but yeah. usually we get going on things like this. It does. We get a lot that we yeah. uh, like to talk about. So, as usual, those of you listening, what are your favorite bad guys or monsters or adversaries to role play? Mm-hmm. Which which ones have you guys, what are some other ones that you guys have had success with? We'd love to hear. Yeah. Either on Instagram or Twitter or email us. Yeah, if you're really let us know. wordy like I was. And, well, you, well, I, I am mean, too. both of us. Yeah. Were. <laughs> I mean, it's... Monsters are fun to talk about. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a part of the D&D culture. And rather than the hack and slash, add that personality. Look at the lore. You did a nice job today of you know, going deep into the lore and giving us some of their, their statistics and things. I had my list, and I knew what I wanted to say. Right. But I really liked the way that you kind of broke it oh, down. So, so, you know, look at the monsters that you're using. Even though you may have intended a combat or some sort of a barrier... Allow your players, if, if they want to parlay, let them and see right. what see what comes of it. Um, and you'll I think you'll be ple- pleasantly surprised how the game progresses when you approach those creatures that way. Yeah. So yeah, as Dan said, let us know on all the different ways that you can keep in touch with us. But thank you so much for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. Yes. Giving us you know supporting us, hopping onto those to the social media sites and just saying hi or answering the questions that we put out there or giving your ideas. We appreciate all of that. Gen Con is on its way. Yes. Let us know if you're going. We'd love to try to say hi, touch base with you, have conversation with teachers in the dungeon. If you're an educator, we'd love to talk to you about uh, some of those, yes, you know, how definitely. you're using role-playing in your classrooms. Or if you're not role-playing in your classroom, how are you using some of those role-play skills in your classroom? Yes. You know, are you bringing those in through discussion? What are some of the ways that you're doing that? We would love to talk to you about that. I guess... That's it for today. Yes. Until next week, keep rolling those 20s, and we'll see you then. See you later. That wraps up today's session, so thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.